Randy. And I'm Claire. And you're listening to Killer Vibes. A true crime podcast. Want to talk about DNA? I am always ready That's true. to That's talk true. about DNA, so let's do it. Okay, so a little background. So if you were arrested, okay, I'm going to tell you the DNA precedence today. So yes. if you're arrested for anything today, police can swab your DNA without a warrant. Yeah. And this actually came out of a 2013 Supreme Court case, um, Maryland v. King, and the majority opinion basically was like, yeah, it's like just taking your fingerprints. Like, it's a reasonable practice. Uh-huh. But then the dissent was like, no, that's a big overstretch. DNA is like way more damning than yeah. some fingerprints. It could be a huge implication on right. the person that you're trying if their evidence, if their DNA is found somewhere as opposed to their fingerprints. Yeah. So that happened in 2013. So even if you are not guilty... You, today, your DNA could be in the system. Which I'm actually not opposed to because I'm not guilty of anything. Yeah, but I I don't know. Maybe I just like question <laughs> everyone. So like you're so you're always in defense. I'm a little conspiracy. Yeah, yeah. So like I mean, even if you don't do anything wrong, like ha- like DNA, I just feel like that could be misused. <laughs> but gotcha. I mean, for true crime, I'm like yes, let's get everyone's DNA. So <laughs> yeah, so my my brain is conflicting. But so before that. In the story, mm-hmm. um, if you were involved in some sort of DNA comparison, like if you committed or were suspected to have committed a violent crime and there was probable cause to have your DNA and it was collected, it goes into an FBI system called CODIS. So when agencies have DNA from a crime scene and they're like, let's compare it against everyone in the system, what they're saying is let's compare it against everyone in CODIS. Yeah. So They usually get a match if you're a serial offender, um, like if you do things more than once. (laughs) So it's usually successful. And that's kind of the go-to thing if you run out of suspects and you have DNAs. Like, well, let's just see if we get a hit on anyone in the system. Yeah, let's just run it through. Yeah. So, Linda Crum. Yes. Miss Crum. (laughs) Miss Crum, our wonderful (laughs) Dallas police officer who helps Sheila. Yes. Who answers Sheila's call. Mm -hmm. Literally. (laughs) (laughs) right she takes she says okay i convinced them to test the dna so they do but since we're not in the lovely world of svu where time ceases to exist (laughs) it takes two years to get results and that's about average and we actually spoke to someone who had worked in the dallas police officer Mm -hmm. like one of their one of their officers and um two years was about the average for what he said um, sending out DNA testing was. Yeah. Um, just because it's expensive. Well, it's expensive and it's also like there's a backlog. Like they have tons mm-hmm. of DNA to test. So it's not like right. yours is a priority necessarily, especially in a major city where more DNA is going to be being tested. And then the other thing is that you can like pay to get it to happen faster. At a private lab. But it's right. Well, I think I think that like a, the I think a law enforcement can rush it. I think there's a system for that if it's, mm-hmm. like, super important. And there's, yes. like, a really good reason to have that result come quicker. But mm-hmm. that's not the case with a cold case, usually. No. So so it takes two years. They run the DNA from Angela's bedroom, and they find a match. So Oh, boy. It's not Russell. Okay. Yep. I See, I just, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
flung your arms everywhere. That was so funny. Like, well, you want to translate that for us? Yeah. So I just, it's not always the perfect person that you want to implicate all the time. And I feel bad because the same thing happened with like the Tim Masters case. He was kind of like an off the cuff guy. And I, I don't know, obviously, like what the only thing I know about Russell is from what you've told me thus far, but it seems like he's kind of like, you know, he's just a guy. He's just an average guy. He's yeah. not really doing much. He's like a 24-year-old hitting on a 20-year-old. It's just kind of, which there's nothing wrong with that, but like a little bit, you know. But yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So like, it's just, he's not down this traditional path of like, you, he's just odd. I know what you're saying. I don't want to call him no, odd I know because saying. I don't know him. He's but... actually not odd. Okay, so okay. See, this is why I didn't want to say no, that. Right, you're right. So he's <laughs> actually a really normal dude. He today is like an incredibly successful architecture. Like That's awesome. when you Google his name, like architecture comes up before him being like the number one suspect in a murder, mm-hmm. which is like saying something. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Um, Same thing happened with Arliss Perry's husband. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So successful. I mean, but you're totally right that it is frustrating when I mean, and this happens in probably every, not every, but many cases of wrongful conviction is that we apply our our very limited perspective of someone Mm -hmm. and take a piece of evidence and just run with it. Yes. And that's not okay. And you're, I actually love that you thought he was odd because like that, all of the information I told you is essentially what everyone else knew, you know, because the only reason I know he's not odd is because I know what he's doing today. Mm -hmm. But at the time you're, your, what you're perceiving of him is probably the exact same way the police department perceived it, which is, the only thing you can do when you have limited knowledge. Right. And the issue is acting on that limited knowledge is mm-hmm. not okay. Yeah. And of course, put him on your suspect list. He was the last guy to see her. He has the really rare blood type that's all over the crime scene. Yes, of course. Be suspicious of Question him. Question him. Like, bring him in. Right. But, but if he's passed a polygraph, which was really held to a higher degree at the time, and if he's, like, not doing anything other than having a blood type that is on a scene... You can't essentially say, oh, we've got our guy and move on. Like, yeah, look no. into other suspects at the very least. And, I know. And not have him be the only one. Because if they're, if they've even like taken the time to get other suspects, then the spotlight wouldn't have been as much on him his whole life. People get blinders when it comes to like, criminal investigations. And that's so dangerous. We all get you know, like a feeling about some suspect. And we're like, mm-hmm. oh, that's who it is. Yeah. And it's really hard to see other sides to a story. But also, I think that this case, like you said, what, something you said a second ago was like, this case was important. Like all cases should be treated importantly. But this case indicates because of the vi- level of violence mm-hmm. that there's a really violent offender out there. Exactly. Like who someone, could do this again? Yeah, someone who's willing to stab someone 18 times. Right. And clearly we know that it wasn't her close-knit friends that she had at the time. Right. They're the two men that were involved with her that night. So, so this could be dangerous. a random guy. Yeah. And he could be doing this. He could possibly be starting to escalate and do it again to another random woman, yeah. which is really scary. If there's someone who is violent against women we need to like get them off of the streets yeah and that's not to say that any other case shouldn't be treated as no. important they they should all be but it's just really scary to think that that was the case and that they mm-hmm. were like oh it's not we think it's russell 
Like, we'll just close we're it just, off. I mean, even though we can't officially say it's him, like, we know it's him. Yeah. Based on some blood evidence. Like, and like, I mean, it's hard because even when I said it to you as, like, a as an even-minded person that you are, you were like, oh, it's totally Russell. Because yeah. it's super convincing. Yes. And then I and backtracked a little no, bit. You and I did. was like, wait. No, you totally <laughs> did. But I'm saying, like, even for someone like you that as a journalist who thinks of all sides, even you can mm-hmm. easily, like, you know, jump on that bandwagon for of a course. minute. In my opinion, I think if you find a piece of evidence that kind of supports the guilt of someone, you should jump on the bandwagon. But the minute that evidence doesn't support the guilt of that person anymore, you need to jump the hell back off. Because if you keep on driving that one point, you will not see who actually did it. Yeah. So. And it's like, even though it was super convincing, like, what does it hurt to look at other suspects and see? Exactly. Or just have the thought. Yeah. Of maybe it wasn't anyone she knew or whatever. And I don't know. Maybe it was someone she knew. I don't know who did it. So, On top of that, after they already did that, which is super annoying, they could have easily tested the DNA. I know that it's expensive. But, but they could have put it in the queue. They could have. They could have been like, you know what? We'll throw it in there. We'll, we'll send it off. We're not going to prioritize it. No. But it's gonna, we're going to get it done if we can, when we can. And they just blew Sheila off. For over 700 phone calls. And this is why police annoy me. Yes. And this is why police get a bad rap. It is very true that the bad stories get more coverage. But the amount of bad stories that are out there is not okay. No. And the bad stories should get more coverage, in my personal opinion. No, agreed. Yeah. They should that's, be, that's a non-unique should, argument anyway. Yeah. But, we should be highlighting the negativity so that we can actually remedy the issues. Right. Anyway. So. Police. Okay. It's not Russell. <laughs> Back to our story. It is a man. Okay. Obviously. We knew that. Named Donald Bess. Who the hell is that? Let me tell you. Okay. So Bess wasn't on anyone's radar until this match. His name was never even brought up, but I think it should have been because Bess was a convicted rapist in the area who had just been released on parole. Of course. Like, literally just on parole, and he was a parolee when he like raped and murdered Angela so like I don't know maybe if I'm the police I'm like okay well do we have any rapists in the area, in the area? yeah they didn't even freaking do that or maybe they I don't know maybe they did but, but they then didn't they come just, across like, com- this guy yeah and they completely ignored it or whatever yes so interesting so that night he saw Angela while she was out and just kind of fixated on her and then followed her back to her apartment and somehow convinced her to let him in probably by saying like can I use your phone or something like that? Like we talked about mm-hmm. earlier and then obviously raped her and then police suspect because his, he is a serial rapist and he didn't murder before. So they think that when Ben got to the apartment and was like banging on the door that that like spooked him and that's when he murdered her. Okay. And that potentially the overaggressive murdering was in an, an attempt to like silence her quickly. Yeah. And to make sure that she was dead. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, if you if you need to do that, maybe like three stabs, like eighteen is a lot. <laughs> like, but it's still a lot of stabbing. Yeah, which is weird because he didn't even know her, and he didn't have a history of that level of violence, right? No, he was so he had previously been convicted of rape, um, violent, like a violent rape, mm-hmm. but he wasn't a murderer until Angela that gotcha. we know of. Maybe he got away with some murders. Mm-hmm. He's also like six foot tall and like bigger. So there's, like, I just feel 
terrified for Angela in that yeah, moment of that like been so scary like she's just being a kind person this guy knocks on her door she has no reason to suspect anything even though we would but like she's kind yeah doesn't think the worst in everyone <laughs> and let's she's in, southern and then she's like that that was not a, that good, was not idea. a good idea but I mean fight flight freeze Whatever. It's a whole thing. You yeah. never know how you're going to respond. It's scary. Yeah. I um, would have. Yeah. I would have probably left. I think that that probably be, would have been the best thing to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just leave and then apologize later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Donald Best was convicted of her rape and murder and, since it's Texas, given the death penalty. Not he a big has, fan of the death penalty. No. Okay. If you want to know our very big <laughs> thoughts about the death penalty, season one, episode one. Yes. Part, Kenya, part three, probably. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. we. It was the Kenya Monhe case. Short story, we don't like it. No, not a big fan. I hate it. Yeah. Claire hates it 99.9% of the time. Yes. So Donald unsuccessfully appealed his death penalty in 2016, and today he still remains on death row without an execution date, though, which is pretty common. There's mm-hmm. like a lot of people on death row right now that have no execution date and there probably never will because no. even though it's legal it was not un- it was unconstitutional for a little bit and then it was constitutional again and now people rarely are actually executed so yes it um, is not a common thing yeah people usually just sit on death row until mm-hmm. they die it also kind of has to do with like the state too mm-hmm. so like i think georgia is the number one state for death penalty or for like actually executing people on death mm-hmm. row and i think that, that just has to do probably with the politics of different areas and who is more willing to go through with it yeah and of course you can't oklahoma has some usually like maybe one a year or something like that it's right. really uncommon now yes it's not a popular thing I, and i think that the opinion of it has been going in a negative direction. For sure, yeah. So that's Donald. Gross. Okay. Not a big fan. So Russell is, like I said earlier, a super successful architect today. Like he's talked about like in the architect industry. Like his mm-hmm. name is everywhere. And after Bess's conviction, Sheila called him or went to his like went to where he was and was like, I need your forgiveness. Like I've mm-hmm treated you awful for this yeah. whole time and yeah she blamed him for it because the police told her yeah to blame him and she's had this like hate in her heart for him and like been implicating him for this for a really long 20 time. plus yeah. years mm-hmm. and he said to her you were just doing what you thought was right for your friend oh oh god damn it russell 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 you're a gem uh, truly <laughs> so later that year, Russell and Angela or Russell and Sheila went to Angela's grave together and had like a warm fuzzy moment. So oh. love that. Yes. So Sheila, she has a thriving PI business Yay. called Without Warning, which is cool. Ooh, I love that. And That's neat. I just think it's perfect that she ended up as a PI because I feel like when you're involved in something like this and no one's listening to you or no one's getting you the answers you want, you go find a PI. So I love that like she's that person when she was seeking that same help before. So she's going to be someone who has empathy for anyone. And I love that. Mm -hmm. She also has a podcast (laughs) called Without Warning, the same name as her company. Mm -hmm. And it basically, they've only done this one season where... I mean, they're going to do more, I'm pretty sure. 
But it's a season and it's like about her ongoing investigation into the mysterious death of 21-year-old Laura Agee in 2015. And short snippet about that if you're interested. Laura was like a college student and she went to this, it was like a big, uh, totally wakeboarding thing. Oh, gosh. Um, okay, at yeah, a yeah. lake. She went to this thing with her friends and they were camping. And the way where their campsite was was kind of like there was like a cliff on either side. Like it wasn't a very safe camp spot, but she like is missing. And then they find her dead body in the water. And like immediately authorities are like, oh, she fell off the cliff. But her family's like, um, I, no. it's like pretty obvious that there's more to the story. So Sheila is investigating it, which yes. is really cool. Sheila's and, on the job. Yeah. And the podcast is like up and vanished style, like interviews, things like that. If you like that style, mm-hmm. this podcast is dope. Cool. Sheila's podcast called Without Warning. And it's Without on warning. like everything. Yeah. Um, it's on all those platforms. Though. Yeah. So that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And... I think the most important thing, though, is that because of Sheila's persistence, Russ, number one, Russell isn't getting his the finger pointed at him. Right. And number two, Angela's friends and family have closure. Like, they at least yep. know, they know who what did happened. it, what happened. And at least this guy is a convicted rapist right. and had some sort of sexual motivation for being there. That's so true. Because so. I feel like if she were my family member, I'd be like, what did you do to like make someone stab? Not that, yeah. like not to say she did, like you have to do anything for someone to stab you 18 no, times. But you would look But I that. would be like, did you piss someone off? Like, do you have like, a secret life or something? What's going on? Like, why yeah. did someone stab you that many times, mm-hmm. you know? So it's good for them to know that, like, no, she didn't have any, like, bad relationships or enemies. It's Mm -hmm. just that this person, the person that killed her is the one. Happened to, like, see her and Mm -hmm. think she was pretty. Yeah. Gross. It's really disgusting. It is. So I just want to end on a quote from Sheila. She said, I hope that she's resting in peace now because the last minutes of her life were so violent. And I think that that's just, I mean, like, it's not like a fun quote to end on but I think that it's important to remember like just how like gruesome this crime was I Mm -hmm. think it might be like the most gruesome we've ever talked about 18 stabs Mm -hmm. and I don't know Black Dahlia was pretty bad oh yeah (laughs) forgot about that but like that was post-mortem that's true so I mean awful also yeah I don't you can't compare not really (laughs) everything's terrible but like 18 is a lot 18 is a lot and so I think I just love that she's like you know, remembering that, like, that awful thing happened. And, like, even though, like, Sheila is kind of the story now, just kind of bringing it back to, like, this person who did nothing had to endure something so awful. Yeah. And it's always important to just, like, have, like, ground yourself when you're talking about these stories Uh and, like, not get lost in the kind of side stories that come out of it. Even though Sheila's story is so awesome, like, solving your best friend's murder, I'll do that if you get murdered. Cool. I'll do that if you get murdered. (laughs) Well, so that's the end of the episode. That was such a good story. I'd never heard of that case before, so that's really exciting. I thought, I figured that if anyone had, like, if you had heard about it, you would have maybe heard, like, a best friend solved her best friend's murder, but... Mm -hmm. But um, I hadn't even heard that bit, so that's... Well, sweet. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, thanks for listening. listening. Bye. Bye!